Welcome to my super type A attempt at being Zen, the podcast. My name is Risha York, and I will be your host. If you are overworked, overtired, overstretched, overwhelmed, just over it, you are in the right place. We like to say we are currently working towards Zen-ish. I'm thrilled that you've joined us. Let's see who will be supporting us on our path to Zen today. Welcome to my super type A attempt at being Zen, the podcast. I'm very excited because I have my friend, Brittany Dagenet here with us. Um, Brittany, I'm going to give her a second to introduce herself right now. Welcome to the show. It's awesome to get a chance to chat with you, Risha. Um, yeah, my name is Brittany Dagenet and I'm a registered psychotherapist in Ontario. Um... I work from a relational um, framework, so lots of attachment and psychodynamic work, and I tend to gravitate towards young adults, um, in particular dealing with family uh, dynamic issues, childhood trauma, eating disorders um, is an area that I've really gotten into lately and has been really interesting. And of course, you know, with that is a lot of anxiety, a lot of perfectionism. Um, those themes are just kind of woven throughout a lot of stuff. Um, so very relevant to type A qualities and the things that come with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, thank you for speaking to that. Cause you know, it's funny. I immediately, when you said, these are the things I'm focusing on, I'm like, wow, you just described my whole childhood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and now we know why I've been in therapy since I was 17. Uh, <laughs> the, the first question I have for you is when we are super type A, and I mean, I will define that term as someone who feels the need for control, organization, order. Um, we have sometimes unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others. And why do you think we do this? Does this come up in your practice? It does. Um, I think what is really interesting about it it's very self-protective um but in a different way there's so much energy behind it right it's would be if you're thinking in terms of like the whole fight flight freeze all that stuff it's definitely like a fight response it's a really active way um that people try to engage in protecting themselves against things like conditional self-worth um fear of being excluded from groups or disconnected from important people and just a uh, discomfort from negative emotions, right? People right. take active steps to distance themselves from the discomfort of certain emotions by trying to have things ordered and have those expectations um, out there. And it's really like, I love looking at it from that self-protective lens because yeah. immediately we can start having some compassion for it. Um, it's not something that we need to change right away. First, we can just understand it and appreciate it. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's funny. You should say that because when you said the word, um, you know, uh, 
a sense of belonging, mm. right? That yeah. immediately for me triggers because I use personality dimensions in my work and um, in my experience, my clients as well as myself um, who have these type A tendencies also have this bright gold temperament that tends to accompany that. And in my work, that means that their biggest stressors are actually um, a sense of they don't want to be ostracized. They don't want to be excluded or kept on the outside. That's their biggest stressor. So a sense of belonging is a constant they're constantly making an effort to have that sense of belonging, to feel like part of the group. And these are all my type A people too, who come through my practice. So it's really fascinating to see how those two things are related. Why do you think they're related? I think, so I love that you word used the word temperament because another piece almost in contrast, what I look at is both like those expectations as perfectionist behaviors, things like that. There's a certain element of them that comes from a learned response to conditional worth. But there's also the fact that, you know, we all choose responses based on our temperament. So how one person decides to cope with something is going to be mediated by the temperament. And so someone else with the same stressor is going to choose a different response um, in a different direction. So I think it's so important um, in my work to both honor the person's personality, being like, you don't need to change everything about yourself to let right. go of tendencies or these high expectations. Um, we just need to like bring them down to that temperament level instead of that neurotic level. Yeah, no, I, I totally appreciate that. And it's funny because we have this conversation a lot in my practice. Like we are not trying to change you as a human being. And in fact, my personal journey to Zen, if that's what you want to call it, is supported by that because I know that as a human being this is who I am right and so my journey to Zen might be different than somebody else's because the things that bring me calm and bring me peace might be you know organizing a closet rather than sitting still for an hour and meditating that mm -hmm. might bring me more and that that leans more into that type a personality right? Where I, I appreciate the order. I appreciate the preciseness. I like the lists. I like the, you know, but that high expectation piece, I feel is the part that plagues me and causes me the most stress. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I was actually talking about this just last week. Um, we often talk about high expectations and it's become this like really socially acceptable and normalized phrase. And I think a lot of people be like, oh, it's fine. I like, I just have high expectations. That's, that's fine. Um, but really what it is, is a nice way to say being critical and demanding, <laughs> which right. when we phrase it like that, all of a sudden doesn't seem so okay. Right. right. There is inherently a lot of pressure and high expectations because actually it's just being critical and demanding which is a really distressing thing to put on ourselves or someone else or someone else yeah and it's I think it's a constant thread as certainly from my perspective as a self-proclaimed type a person 
trying to find the balance and reduce stress levels while also having these expectations of myself and others, right? Like I was telling you before we hopped on here that I was couched for three days with vertigo last week and literally couldn't get off my couch. I finished every Rubik's cube in my house. I like, I can't, I can't sit still. And part of that is I have these expectations of productivity for myself and these expectations of achievement. And when I'm grounded and unable to move through action or when there's barriers or obstacles or people who are on my team or supposed to be supporting me on the way to whatever goal aren't doing their part or aren't living up to my expectations, I go into this super stress space, high anxiety space. Um, and I have to talk myself down out of it. Like, okay, all right. Like what's, what's really important here? <laughs> Why are we getting so off the rails upset about the fact that, you know, my youngest hasn't eaten his cereal yet? Why is that a problem? And for me, it's because, well, I expected them to be ready to go when I got out of the shower because I explained to everybody what I needed and how I needed it and what was going to happen. And then we weren't there. Mm -hmm. And now I'm stressed and I'm ready to lose my mind and I've got to talk myself off the ledge. And like, this is such a regular occurrence that that's where I get lost on my journey to Zen. I'm like, this is, it's part of who I am. But how do I, how do I reduce these expectations of others and find more balance for myself? It is definitely a super tricky one. And I think like what immediately popped to mind was the conversation I had with a friend over the weekend. And she shared with me um, that she had heard something from Gabor Matei. Um, yep. I feel like I'm butchering his name. I apologize. Um, but it was about, and it was in relation to parenting, but I think it applies honestly across any relationship, which is like attending or what was it? It was something about basically um, prioritizing needs over expectations. Right. Parenting to that, like, so parenting to the child's needs instead of parenting to your expectations. And I think that, you know, if you substitute relating or interacting or whatever, it, it could be for anyone. And I think needs is very much a heart and body centered experience. Yes. Expectations live in our heads. They're yeah connected oftentimes with our emotions um and so I think finding that like capacity to to get into that emotional space and out of that headspace can be really helpful sometimes to lean more into our empathy exactly yeah and um because our our brains want lots of stuff that are <laughs> grounded. And it's wonderful that we have that capacity to imagine and daydream and hope and have all these like aspirations. Yeah. But doesn't always track for what's in the moment. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, it's 
it's a conversation I have a lot too with clients and through um, the program of my super type A attempt at being Zen. We talk about that a lot, you know, when we live in our gold space where these are our lists and these are our expectations and these are the achievements and the goals and what we want to do. And that's all well and good for the future. And our goals tend to live really far into the future because they're planners. They like to plan. They like to see how everything is going to map out. And, you know, on that note, when we don't go according to plan, that causes a pretty significant amount of stress for our goals. But then I'm often encouraging people to lean a little bit more heavily into their blues, which is more relationship focused, more empathy focused, more caretaking focused. So it's and it's funny because that caretaking piece is something that our golds and blues have in place. I think when we are in our gold space, our super type A space, and we're focusing on all of these expectations, they're not always just for us, right? They're for what we see as potential for the people around us or our children or our relationships. And so it's a form of caretaking when you're super type A to be like, no, trust me, if we follow the plan, it's all going to be so great for you and me. (laughs) But we lose the humanness in the plan sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think even being a therapist has really shifted my capacity in this. And I would definitely describe myself as like a former type A. I feel that so many of those qualities have really chilled out. But so like on a daily basis in work, I'm confronted with like my own desires and goals for a client and having to really practice constantly setting those aside and focusing on what they want and what they need. And I think that that has helped me I mean, just the sheer practice of it, having to do it all the time has helped that like as much as we think we're going to know what's best or, you know, we want to plan and we want to, we really taking a step back and letting the other person, you know, have their own experience and their own needs. And, oh, it is an ongoing challenge, especially (laughs) with little ones. And isn't it? Yeah. Like that. But I think it can, again, it brings you back to like, hold on moving out of that headspace, moving into that feeling space and really also takes a lot of pressure off. You don't need to know what's best for that other person. You just need to trust them. Yeah. To figure it out. In themselves. Exactly. To figure yeah. it out. And I mean, that takes a lot of pressure off, right? That's one less person you have to manage. It's true. <laughs> and I think that's part of it. I think when we're super type A, we feel this sense of responsibility. I joke all the time that it, we're responsibility gatherers. We we see something and we go, oh, I can do that. Don't worry. I'm great at that. I'll take that on. And we struggle sometimes to say no, because we know what our our talents are we know where our strengths lie right so we'll say yes I can do that oh no let me help you with that oh I'll plan that I'll get that organized and then we become overloaded and we feel stressed because I'm carrying the whole world on my shoulders and why can't anybody help me out and the truth is like right out of the gates there's lots of us out there so put something down like some, some another gold is going to come along and help you pick that up. It's, it, I promise you, there's so many of us, but 
also we I think we get into this um feeling of I'm carrying the weight of the world and it's my responsibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then <laughs> it, I think that get amplified when we then farm something out to someone else and we're like, I know I need to ask for help. I know I need to ask for help. Help me. And then they don't do it to your standards. And you're like, oh, see, should have done it myself. Right? I think that builds. Yeah, I think. I think that's another tricky one in that there is a certain amount of, like you said, there's talent, there's drive, there's energy, right? In in that temperament. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, scooping up all the responsibility is a self-protective safety mechanism. And oftentimes it's that control, it's that desire to manage other people's experiences for our own safety. And that's often been like a family dynamic and like religion, um, that sense of needing to keep yourself safe by worrying about everyone else. Yeah. Uh, And I think that that can be a tricky thing to parse out for people like what part of this is a defense mechanism and what part of this is just a genuine drive to do something and a genuine satisfaction in like that um yeah achievement but like you know that satisfaction when something that's in your mind is now out in the world and it's yeah when you've brought something into reality you've manifested it right yeah, like when you're like, I have this vision for how this should go, and then it happens. Like there is a set an innate satisfaction in that. Yes. I think it's again important to count that. Yeah. But also be like, but how much of this is like a control and safety thing? And how how granular do you have to get on it too? Because I think what you're speaking to, that's exactly my experience. You know, I was a single child in a single parent household. Mm-hmm. A lot of my type A temperament I think has grown around that need to be responsible that need to take on additional responsibility at a very young age that Mm -hmm. need to control the situation control my space to keep it safe and it's funny too because when we talk about this in terms of temperament one of the other needs for a gold temperament is security security is a top need for someone in that space and so I think when we're trying to control that that space, it's allowing us to control our security. It's allowing us to feel safe and calm and protected, but also a part of of something. You know, if I'm not in charge, will they include me? Mm-hmm. That kind of question, right? And so when we have these high expectations for other people, it's like, when it's a big thing that you're trying to bring out into the world, like you're trying to manifest something big and new and wonderful. Okay, cool. <laughs> but when it's like how people load the dishwasher or, you know, how the method in which things happen, the steps in which to do something, I think as gold personality types, we find a method And we go, well, that's the way, that's the tried and true way. So it goes one, two, three, that's how you do it. And then you meet someone who's maybe more orange temperament type or blue temperament type, which is resourceful or, you know, creative. And 
And they're like, no, I do it one, five, six. And you're like, what? Why would you do it that way? So in your head, it's like your entire reality is distorted. Does that make sense to you? It does. It does. And I think that oftentimes a lot of that is that low tolerance for uncomfortable emotions because it takes something pretty small to like cause a lot of distress. Like you said, and that's actually like something like that is something that comes up a lot, especially in families um, is like, well, my partner doesn't do it the same way I do it. And that can be so distressing for people. And yes, it's nice to have things in order, but it shouldn't feel so unsafe to have them not in order. It may be like, I would prefer Mm -hmm. it in order, but for it to be like very upsetting or distressing is that level of like lack of safety that's been triggered. It's funny too, because I find that that ebbs and flows with where I am at, right? So personally, I know I'm a super type A person. I know this is the kind of stuff that triggers me. I'm fully aware of it because of the job that I do. I'm so self-aware of it that most of the time, I'm going to say most of the time, I catch it and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to stress about this. This is one of those things I let go, right? But if it's been one of those periods of time or, um, you know, just one of those windows where the stress is piling on, right? Say you're sick and then the car breaks down and there's a flood in the basement and, and things are starting to pile on. Those little things start to become so much more important to me. And I remember having this argument with my husband a few weeks ago and I, I was like in tears over something and he's like, why is it such a big deal? And I was like, because everything can't be hard. Yeah. And he was like, okay, okay. I understand that. It was like, if we're dealing with all of this other stress, can we make the easy things easy? Like, why do they have to be so hard, right? But then I catch myself again, like weeks later, they never maintain that standard. They maybe will for a couple of weeks because mom's stressed out, like, let's help her out. But, you know, generally they fall back into old habits or how they have done things. And then I'm right back to like, Oh my God, still again, like we're back to this. And so I recognize that that's me. I have to let some things go. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's so much easier said than done. So much easier said than done. Right. And I give that advice all day to clients all day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're right. The practice of it. And the more I talk about it with clients, the more self-aware I am around it, the easier it is for me to be like, well, that's one of those things. I need to let this go. (laughs) But there are periods of time where I'm incapable and they start to pile on. Yeah. I think too, with certain things, it can be helpful to have, like, if this is going to be something that's bothersome or distressing kind of being like okay this is something I don't want to put up with but also taking responsibility for like my example of something that drives me crazy is um everyone leaves their socks around the house 
in oh. random there are socks everywhere oh I know my house too bonkers like just put your socks in the laundry basket or in the washing machine why is this not hard and like <laughs> they do not care and you know what okay if I'm gonna be one, the one that cares I will take responsibility for dealing with it yep it to me it just became something like that's just not that's so low on their priorities and there's yeah. so many other things I would like to ask them to focus on yeah. and put energy towards that isn't cleaning up their socks so I was like okay you know what every time I'm gonna take this on and I am gonna clean them up I'm not gonna let them like I yeah. can't just go and not deal with it but I will accept that I don't want to just be chill I accept that like Every time I see it, I will deal with it. And this is going to be on me because it's my standard. Yeah. Mine is the bath mat. They will leave the bath mat wet and yeah. soaked and yeah. in the that. bathroom and my head. I'm like, yeah. guys, it's part of the process. You get out of the shower, you get dried off, you step off the mat, you put the mat on the side of the tub. Why is this hard? Why oh. is this hard? And for some reason, they're just all incapable. So do I die on that hill with them? Uh, no, but I'm going to pick it up. I made a joke actually to my husband that I was going to record myself putting the bath mat up every single time I did it so that they understood the amount of time in a year. Yeah. I put the bath mat onto the bathtub. Make an awesome compilation. Right? It'd be hundreds, hundreds of times. Excellent. And it only takes a second. And they're like, well, it only takes a second. Well, exactly my point. Like, can't you do it? <laughs> but like you, I've accepted that this is something they literally cannot get through their heads as a thing that's important. It's, yeah. it's important to me, not them. Yeah. So, and I try it, I try and have a conversation um, in those spaces to about why, because they don't understand why it's important to me, mm -hmm. right? And so I'll say things like, well, here's the thing. I don't like to throw good money after bad. I really value the things we have in our house and I don't want to have 10 bath mats. I'd rather just have two. And while one is in the wash, the other one is being used. And wouldn't that be just so much easier? But if you guys are going to let it get all moldy and gross and we're going to go through bath mats, I'm spending how much money a year on bath mats? Is this frugal? Is this smart? And so in my brain, that's where it goes to, which is kind of extreme, frankly, but they, <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. They still don't see it. It doesn't resonate for them. Every once in a while, I can take one of those idiosyncrasies, the things that drive me nuts and bring it to a place where they see the value or they see the stress. And then they go, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Mom, no problem. Or yeah, don't worry, Risha, we've got it handled. And then they'll stick to it. But those situations are so rare. I, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a content. But like you said, like it can be a good barometer too. Because when that little stuff starts like really hitting those buttons, it's always like oh, something else is going on here. Yeah. It does for sure. Because most of the time that stuff is totally doable. Yeah. And other times it's not. And that's when it's definitely like, okay, this is a signal. 
yeah, I'm not in a good headspace. I need to do some self-care. This is not about a bath mat. This is not about socks. Like, yeah. What is this about? And sometimes that's true too. I think it's a different conflict in your relationship. It's adding on to the conflict you're already having. You know, it's like we have a disagreement and then the next day I've got to put your flipping bath mat up, right? Like, so it's like one more thing on top of the argument. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting. So if we're doing this because of this fear of being excluded or this fear of being ostracized, like what kinds of fear is keeping us? from finding our balance and our Zen? I would say the biggest thing that I see constantly is everyone is just really afraid of negative emotions. (laughs) Like most people are afraid of negative emotions and without a sense of being able to flow with them, to accept them, to work with them, there's no balance. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's so interesting to me. Mostly because I've worked so hard in the last, you know, 20 years to allow those emotions to come Mm -hmm. and pass. Um, And so everyone knows me as like, I'm a crier. I cry at everything. (laughs) I just randomly break down tears and then I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Clearly I have a lot of feelings around this. Um, but that's so interesting because I find that a lot actually with not so much my clients. Sometimes they have barriers up around that, but generally, you know, even in my household, I feel like there's a fear around negative emotions. Yeah. Right. We were all really socialized to stay away from negative emotions. I mean, just think of even within, so because of like the attachment based to my work, I often reference like how we learned things as children Um, and that idea that like tantrum should be stopped or controlled or reined in, right? That's how most of us grew up is like, like stop crying, stop like tantrums. Children should not tantrum. That is not an actual display of emotion. Like they need to get control of themselves. They need to, you know, we need to stop this from happening. We have to teach them emotional regulation. Well, I mean, but tantrums in a sense, like can be part of emotional regulation. Well, we know now, but it definitely wasn't part of that. It was um, not so... I find that a lot of what are the most uncomfortable? I mean, it's all the classic ones. It's disappointment, anger. A lot of clients are so afraid of anger. Um, obviously, sadness. Everyone. I mean, that's the most uncomfortable one. It's like physically painful. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just, and of course, just that the fears of of disconnection, that feeling of being disconnected, and. Yeah, I find that there is a huge struggle to just be okay with those emotions. Yeah. Because once you are, then you don't need to avoid them. And a whole slew of defenses just yeah. kind of go away. So what happens? I mean, I have so been accused of being 
angry all the time, which is not who I am as a person. I mean, you know, you know me, I'm not angry all the time, but I have been accused of that in my house because I feel like I have this underlying frustration all the time where I'm like, guys, come on. Like just, can we just eat our meal? Can we just sit down at the table? Can we just, right. Can we pick up after ourselves? Can we do the tasks we said we were going to do? Can we do our reading for school tomorrow? Are we not doing our homework? Why aren't we doing our homework? Right. And so I feel like I'm a taskmaster as far as parenting is concerned. I'm double checking that all the things are getting done. And as a result, I'm not fun mommy, right? There are days where I'm fun mommy, but generally I feel like I'm just trying to keep the train on the tracks. And then when they say like, oh, why are you so grumpy? Or why are you angry? I'm not necessarily angry, but I also never hide my emotions in front of my children, right? And then I have these moments where I think like, should I be June Cleaver and hide how angry I am about everything that's going on or frustrated or whatever, and then just have a big, shiny, happy smile all the time and guard them from my feelings. But that's not reality. So I don't know, you know, even with parenting coaches, they say like, you don't want to appear frustrated or angry. And I'm like, right, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How do you address that? I think it's kind of, I think first just naming that frustration is a particular type of anger in which we feel stuck. Yes. And so it is different than like anger, anger. And there is more of a stuckness to it, which is an interesting start starting to like reflect on those points in which we do feel stuck, in which we do feel like we're not able to fully say what we want to say, do what we want to do, that like some part of us is inhibited. Yeah. And that is always an can help like create some wiggle room. But also from there, I think as parents, it's our job to actively manage and hold our boundaries and oftentimes when we are angry or frustrated it's a good check-in to be like how have I maybe not managed this situation in a way that sets this up so that I don't have to respond in this way or with these feelings and I think it I mean it's a constantly moving target right like we're this is the ideal we will never achieve the ideal but we can be oriented (laughs) towards it type of thing yeah Um, But I think it's a good check-in, like what other boundaries need to be put in place then that make it so that frustration doesn't have to be a reaction or anger doesn't have to be a reaction because they're managed before it gets to that point. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I often talk about it as uh, sometimes I feel like I'm running at a low boil. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, there's going to come a point where... I'm like, I'm going to boil over and I don't want to because I don't want to get to a place like that. So I'm running at a low boil and then they're like, why are you grumpy? And I ask that two more times and you're about to find out, right? Because <laughs> it's, I'm trying so hard to keep it together. We're trying to keep, you know, 
plans in place, rules, effective, you know, set those boundaries, be like, you know, no toys at the table, no whatever. And of course I'm in this instance referring to parenting because I have a toddler and a seven-year-old and every day that is probably where the bulk of my self-regulation comes into place. Yeah. Right. Because with adults, generally the people I interact with are pretty good. I'm not triggered. I feel comfortable. I'm happy-go-lucky Risha. And then (laughs) when I'm mom Risha, I think this is where it takes all my focus to be like, they don't know. They are children. We have to put the boundaries in place. I have to reinforce what we're asking for. I have to ask for it again. I have to ask for it a hundred times sometimes, and that has to be okay. And sometimes I get to ask 89 and I'm like, nope, I've got nothing left in the tank. Right. So how, how do we manage at that point? What do you, what do you do? I don't know. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I don't know. I think it depends on how someone wants to be interacting with that situation. And I think the answer is kind of different for all of us. And I think yeah. it's a faceted. We have a lot of oftentimes I see narratives around what it means to be a mother comes into play. Like we should be able to tolerate more. And often what we describe as patience is just um us trying to deny that we're getting increasingly frustrated. Yeah. Trying to suppress that feeling and we call it patience. But if as soon as we start to feel that twinge of frustration, acting on that, like acknowledging it, mm-hmm. dealing with it, I think that can stave off a lot of like that, Rest. like going, going, going stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> I will actively say like, okay, mom is a little frustrated and she's going to get really angry if we keep doing this same behavior that I've asked you to stop doing. Yeah. Like name the emotion. Yeah. Name how I feel. Honestly, usually I feel like if you can confront the monster, that's what I call it. When you can name the emotion, confront the monster, mom's really frustrated. (laughs) I really need you to hear me right now. Please listen. I don't want to get angry, but I'm very frustrated right now. That's the direction this is headed please hear me right (laughs) Um, but it's funny because I I also you know my temperament um the tool I use obviously there's four main temperaments so there's um resourceful orange there's um authentic blue there's inquiring green and there's um organized gold. And I am very, very bright in three of them, which gives me the ability, again, name the monster, right? So I know that those three things I'm bright in, and I have the ability to shift as far as temperament in and out of those when they serve me, right? But with those temperaments also come challenges. And with the resourceful orange, I find there's a certain element of physicality, kinetic energy that comes in that temperament. And when I get frustrated, I have to go for a walk or 
jump up and down or something physical because it needs to escape my body. So my husband will laugh because if something happens and I get really triggered and pissed off, I'll be like, you guys, and I'll like kind of jump in place. And he's like, what is that? (laughs) Like a temper tantrum. And I'm like a little bit, but generally I need that to come out of my body in a healthy and productive way. I don't want to like smack at my kids or lash out. That's, I really don't want that to happen. That's the forefront of my mind. I need that kinetic energy to come out of my body in a way that is safe for everyone around me, but also allows me to get it out of my body. Yeah. So knowing that about yourself too, like how, what are the challenges of your temperament or what are the challenges when these stresses hit you? Yeah. Like you said, it's really identifying those needs. Like what do I need right now? And, and really feeling okay in meeting those needs, which is so different for everyone. For every person. Yeah. So different. And so I think a lot of when we talk about emotional regulation and just having those, like, it's all very broad and definitely a, a choose your own adventure. Yeah. But like how to choose your own adventure is often like the hard part. Um, I think so. Yeah. And I think if you're a super type A gold person, you're also looking for the manual. Definitely. Definitely. Right. So tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Give me yeah. the steps. How do I calm myself down and get back to it? Right. And sure. There's some tools that help, you know, like, you know, grounding, breathing, thinking through, thinking through the logic. There's absolutely steps that help me when I'm triggered or frustrated or whatever it might be, whatever negative, negative emotion has come up for me. Right. And some of those things need to be acceptance. Yeah. Right. And I think like you're saying, I think we ignore that a lot. We do often. Yeah. Right. And that can be hard, I think, because as just as human beings, if I'm ignoring that because society is telling me that's not an okay, you're not allowed to be angry. You're not allowed to feel that way, you know, then what am I doing wrong? Why do I feel this way? Yeah. You've been listening to part one with Brittany Dagenet. I really hope you join us for part two. She has so much more to share, so much more wisdom, and I really don't want you to miss out. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit www.yorkmotivational.com for more information on my super type A attempt at being Zen, the coaching program, Lead Without Permission, or visit our contact page to reach out to Risha. Wishing you all continued balance and fulfillment on your road to Zen.